The way to best look at this is not marketing source ops versus sales source ops. It creates guaranteed friction between these two departments. What you want to look at is how is the buyer entering our pipeline through major sources that we call pipeline sources that capture demand. Your website, ABM intent data driven outbound, events, partner, you're not going to have that many. It's going to be somewhere between probably three and seven for big, like big companies. You're going to have big buckets of where pipeline actually comes from. And from a marketing standpoint, what the marketing team is driving to do is creating demand across all the different sources. Step one, right? Most marketing teams do not do that step because they're too focused on capturing demand. It totally messes up the entire demand system because then you got partner, you got partners that aren't, they're just capturing demand. There's no way your partners are creating demand. They're just capturing it. You got your sales team that's pretty much built to only capture demand based on how buyers buy today. And you got field marketing events to capture demand. Something's got to be creating it. So you got to have your marketing team creating demand. And then you, I want like, if, you're, if your marketing team's creating a lot of demand, what's the thing that's going to happen? The amount of people that come to your website and say, hey, I want to buy your stuff now should go through the roof. And when that happens, what, then you know your marketing's working and you should be able to defend the entire budget against uh, uh, your entire marketing budget against just that pipeline and revenue created alone. And then everything else is just extra. The reason that I do not recommend influenced revenue as a marketing metric is because it's totally flawed and relies on attribution. So anything that doesn't get measured by attribution is not going to get counted in an influenced revenue model. So things like publishing a podcast 290 times that we've done so far would get zero credit and attribution. Posting on LinkedIn would get zero credit and attribution. Comment, spending 15 minutes per day commenting on other people's posts and things like that on LinkedIn, zero. Running non-direct response Facebook ads and Instagram ads that crush for companies that we do would get zero, zero attribution credit. It boxes you in to just capturing demand, right? So if you want to use influence revenue, that's cool, but you're basically going to restrict yourself to only doing one part of the demand cycle. And it's the one part that every other part of the company is working on too. Your sales team is capturing demand. Your partners, everyone's capturing demand. Why? Like the only thing that marketing can do, not the only thing, but the most important thing that marketing can do across all of it is create the demand in the first place. So that would be, uh, my recommendation would be a score on what we call website hero pipeline. How much pipeline have you generated through your website that gets to a stage that your sales team wins at greater than 25% trailing six months? which is typically stage two or stage three, depending on your sales process and qualification methods and things like that. And then you have a metric that marketing is totally aligned with sales. We know that if sales is going to close a million dollars in revenue and we're going to, we need to win them and we win them historically at 25%, then we're going to have to put 4 million in pipe at a balanced, consistent ACV in there in order to have a, pretty good shot and we probably want deeper pipeline coverage in order to hit the number. So you can sort of like back into that by using the, the pipe framework. Um, so that's what I would say. If there's a, there's a follow-up, then I'd be happy to answer that. But that's like the, 
that's what every software company is doing right now. And the challenge is that like the, the issue is that you're not creating demand. It's like, it's as simple as that every piece of technology and every tactic that gets implemented because of how you measure marketing is only focused on capturing demand. It's the biggest predictor and it's going to have the most correlation to sales velocity metrics. I've actually explained this to a couple of CMOs recently and I explained to someone else on the podcast and starting to uh, really help people understand why we look at this in two ways. Because when we look at opportunity source, a lot of people think that we're running single touch attribution and that's not at all what we're doing here. And so um, I want to talk through, we look at opportunity source, which is the main source that companies would use to define where a lead entered the pipeline or an account entered pipeline. And people are looking at it as if multi-touch attribution is an alternative, which my belief is that it's not because multi-touch attribution blends all of the touch points together, tries to assign some percentage value to each touch point, but it doesn't help you guide strategy. And so let me talk through how we guide strategy using these two different points. So number one is the opportunity source, which means what is the source that happened that drove someone to start an opportunity and enter your pipeline? The reason that we're looking at this is because it's going to have, it's the biggest predictor and it's going to have the most correlation to sales velocity metrics, win rates, conversion rates through the funnel, sales cycle lengths, even ACVs will be lower for some and higher for others. And then if you put those all together, you'll see how much velocity is moving through your pipeline over any given period of time between different sources of pipeline. And so different sources of pipeline could be, and we're going to combine it. There's two things. There's what the campaign type or the campaign, what they converted on. And then there's going to be the source or the channel. And there are actually two things. So it could be paid search, source, ebook, download, campaign. And then those two things get put together and those become something that you look at or organic to demo request or case study download to cold call or I pulled them out of Zoom info to cold call, or I got them from content syndication to cold call. And so you can look, and then if you split those all out, this is the split the funnel analysis, but we're just talking through it in a little bit of a different angle here. If you split those all out, what you're going to see is that some win at a small rate and they have very long sales cycles and others win at a very high rate and have way faster sales cycles. The reason being is because it's a surrogate for the intent of your buyer and it basically can help you predict at what point, at how much, how far done in the process a buyer is when they enter into your pipeline. Shorter sales cycles, higher win rates, they're gonna be further down the, down the process. Conversely, we have what people look at as multi-touch attribution, which is basically meant to try and measure everything, assign values to each touch point and give credit to channels. But if you look at multi-touch attribution, you're not going to get the insight about where they entered pipeline, which is a huge, huge factor to optimize against. Because like I mentioned before, you could have some sources of pipeline that convert at 0.1% and others that convert at 8%. And if you didn't have that insight, how would you know from your attribution software how to architect the mix? You wouldn't, you'd just be like, oh, Google Ads drives some revenue. Oh this drives some revenue. So you actually need to look at it in, in separate ways here. For whatever reason, I just don't understand how, how people do not look at this in such a detailed way because it can liter it will literally guide your marketing strategy. You can look back at where did the revenue come from and reverse engineer the buyer journey. So at the moment, if you go and ask a peer in Revenue Collective and you say, what's driving the most pipeline for you? They don't define pipeline the same way that you do. A lot of people define pipeline as sad, but it literally meeting booked with an SDR. 
And so when I've started to notice the entire inconsistencies between companies about how they make these definitions and at what stages and what the conversion rates and win rates are forward, you just can't benchmark or anything. It's like putting apples and oranges. Some Someone's calling a sales qualified opportunity something they win at 30% and other people are calling a sales qualified opportunity something they win at 6%. It's like, how do you, they're not even the same thing. So what we are encouraging people to do from a marketing standpoint is standardize on a definition of pipeline that we call hero, high intent revenue opportunity. It comes through specific sources, like a get a demo form, like a contact sales form, like a get pricing form, or any other ones that have lead to win rates that are greater than 3% from the source. Then from there, the pipeline must hit the stage where you win greater than 25% of those opportunities. For a lot of companies, that's going to be stage three. For some companies that have really high win rates, it might be stage two. For some companies that have really shitty win rates or a long sales process, it could be stage four. And so you set that so that everything is aligned that, okay, when we are generating pipeline and we call it pipeline, our sales team's gonna win at least 25% of that pipeline, which then allow us to project out our impact. We put $2 million of hero pipeline in last month. Over the trailing six months, we win 27% of those deals. We're going to win at least 500K ARR. And then from there, we can actually project out customer acquisition costs as well. So we can project out, okay, 500K ARR, our CAC payback is going to be whatever. But by centering on a place where you have predictable, consistent win rates that are higher than 25%, so it actually matters to your sales team, I think is the number one thing. It also creates major alignment with sales. And lastly, it creates major accountability for marketing because if the win rate from that stage goes down, then marketing's goal changes. The definition of pipeline is set based on sales win rates, not based on the deal stage. That's a definition of pipeline that I've never heard anyone use. Every pipeline definition I hear is about deal stages or some type of box checking exercise from sales. Like, okay, we've had the meeting with DAE or we've gone through Bant or we have medic or something like that. And that's when it's considered an SQO. I'm calling it hero because it needs to be called something different so that people know that it's different. And it's based on what percentage of opportunities that our sales team win here. We've been, do we've been doing it on a lot of companies. I think it just is a better way to define pipeline than how companies do today. And if anyone is gonna love this change, the person who should love it the most is the CRO or the head of sales, whatever it is in your company because it forces marketers to, to do activities that drive sales. What you need to do as a marketer is you need to pick the stage to optimize for that is beyond the place where all of the garbage falls off. And so you need to look at the data. You're, anyone that's running performance marketing can see there is a particular couple set of stages where all of this stuff, all of the leads that marketers generate that even get to a conversation fall off. Um, and so SQL is one of those stages in the way that most companies define it. And so let's go through it. So, and another thing is when I talk through qualified pipeline, um, and I've gone through this definition, but let's go through it for people like SQL to me is not qualified pipeline. That is a lead that went through Bant or went through some talk with an SDR, hasn't even talked to a rep yet. Most likely that's how most companies define it. That is not qualified pipeline. They haven't even talked to your sales rep, right? And so what I'm suggesting is that at least one stage, it's usually one stage further for companies um, would be what I would call 
sales qualified opportunity, not sales qualified lead, which means that the rep has talked to the person, there's an amount attached to it, they've done a discovery or a demo, and you're gonna win deals from that, that stage forward at minimum 20%. And so all of those criteria would make it an SQO, and the reason that we define it that way is because the AE will move anything that they don't think is going to close or is definitely not interested in buying to close loss before it gets there, which allows marketers to optimize in the right way. When you don't do this, and when the companies are optimizing for SQL one step further than, than MQL, you start to see behaviors like this. You start to see the behavior of a $100 gift card to sit on a demo. And then if you went and talked to all of your sales reps afterwards, they're like, we're having demos, but they have no intent to buy. They get their gift card and then they move to close loss, but it helps the marketers hit their SQL target. And so that's one of the, that's one of the behavior. You see that a lot with um, gifting, gift cards, anything that's transactional to bribe someone into a demo is usually some of the behaviors that you see when marketers are optimizing for this specific metric. And the reason not to do it, I feel like it's sort of obvious at this point, but the reason not to do it is because it's misaligned with what your sales team needs. When your sales team is saying, hey, these people are not buying and you look at the data and you say all of these people are sitting on a meeting and then moving to close lost, that is a waste of marketing dollars. That is a waste of sales people's time. It would be almost more productive for to not do it at all, to completely do something else. Hey everyone, really appreciate you tuning into this episode of the State of Demand Gen podcast. And I just wanted to take a second to say to all of the listeners out there, we just crossed over 40,000 listeners across the world to this podcast. And so super grateful and super happy that for all of you, really appreciate you tuning in, attending the live events, engaging on the LinkedIn content, and now watching us get started up and engaging on YouTube and TikTok. And so Thank you, thank you, thank you to all of you. And if you haven't already, if you've gotten value from the podcast, I would really appreciate if you could go to Apple Podcasts in the review section of this podcast and leave a quick review or a rating. It would mean a lot to me. Thank you very much. And we'll see you for the next episode.